Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a very special edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast in English. Uh, this week, we're going to be doing, well, something a little different. Uh, we are uh, recording on a different format on a different day. Uh, so we're very excited to see you. Yes, as, as Brendan's pointing out, you get to see these faces <laughs> all for free. And we have a very special guest joining us uh, this week. But uh, before we go into it, let me bring in my two co-hosts, Brendan Barr and Dashing Dusty Murphy. Gentlemen, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I'm doing good. 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 Uh, I was yes, just going to say, big weekend for wrestling. So I'm all, all kinds of excited. And I get to yeah. be here. Yes. Yes. No, you're right. <laughs> very, very big weekend. And uh, we'll be watching that later. And definitely we'll be sharing our thoughts on what's happening at Survivor Series in a future episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Uh, but this week we have a different topic, something I think you don't really get to hear about in Lucha Libre. So with that, we got to bring uh, one of the biggest Lucha Libre experts of all of LuchaCentral.com, of all really the, the internet, Jerry Villagrana, uh, from the Photoverse is video cast, uh, Lucha Libre photographer, avid fan, uh, video caster, podcaster with LuchaCentral.com. We are thrilled to have you join us again. Welcome, Jerry. And a new officer at Mass Republic. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the office job. <laughs> yes. Yeah, thanks. This is, I'm excited to be here. It's always a good time talking about Lucha, and uh, you know, it's an exciting time. So yeah. thanks for having me. Yeah. I mean, how have you been? Yeah. I mean, real quick, you, you've uh, been promoted into a new role at Mass Republic um, and you are still continuously working on your video cast. I know you have a lot of projects going on, uh, but, but how have you been doing? Um, yeah, doing good. You know, we got the new, we have a new cookbook coming out. Um, that was a big project. The cookbook was a lot of fun. I got a chance to take a look at that, and it's I mean, it's like over three hundred pages of just awesome pictures and food recipes. I got to share a couple recipes in there, stuff that I grew up with. Um, and we have people like you know from Mexico, all over Mexico, that shared their recipes. You know, they're they're really it was a it was a quite a project because we had people you know submitting recipes. Um, you know, from, you know, the wrestlers and, you know, they cook, they also cook their favorite dishes. So yeah. you're getting stuff that's, you know, the stuff that the wrestlers are actually eating and they prepare for themselves and their families. So yeah, that kept us real busy, you know, so it's been, I know things are kind of slow with Lucha in terms of new shows and stuff because of the pandemic, but yeah, fun projects like that are, are you know, have kept us busy and uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So we can't wait to get that out to everybody. Yes, congratulations on the, the cookbook. Uh, we heard a little bit about that during uh, the virtual Expo Lucha uh, back in October, and uh, that was just really cool. I think it's a, it's a cool way to bring the world and spirit of Lucha Libre uh, to a wider audience while also doing something that most people love to do, and that's eat. Uh, so <laughs> those are literally two of my favorite things to do, watch, watch Wrestling Lucha Libre and eat. So I feel called out by this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> putting these two things together is, is you know, a dream come true for, for lots of fans. But, too, the, the photography involved in it, too, I mean, must uh, have, have been amazing. And just the whole project and, and collaborating with uh, all of the luchadors and, and uh, getting that perspective, too, on you know, wrestling and, and food from their insights must be very cool. So we are very, very excited. The cookbook is going to be dropping next year, correct? 2021? Yep, next year. Great. So everyone keep an eye out for that. 
You can't Sorry. get it now, you know, but 2021, it's going to be a year full of, of hopes and promises. Hopefully that they don't <laughs> all get shattered. If this cookbook does not come out in 2021, I'm going to be really <laughs> devastated because of, we've already lived such a long year. Uh, in 2020 that um, that literally is a, a silver lining in 2021 just getting us through the rest of the year to get to, to the next phase but uh, yes so I mentioned that this week uh, for the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast we're going to be doing a different format typically we present you all of the latest and greatest news happening in the world of Lucha Libre reviewing what's happened in the week and also previewing what's to come ahead covering uh, top Mexico-based promotions, independents, and the luchador scene in WWE, AEW, MLW, Ring of Honor, so on and, and so forth. Uh, but this was actually an idea that Jerry had given us quite some time ago, and we've been really wanting to do this, um, especially because it is not a typical format for a Lucha Libre podcast. And, and you'll yeah. see why in a second. But uh, <laughs> this is going to allow us to more sh share our personal insights and thoughts on Lucha Libre, the history of Lucha Libre, the importance of people in it. Um, and you do that by a, a pretty typical way fans assess who is the best. And that is, who is your Mount Rushmore? Um, I literally facilitated a FAQ yesterday where that was asked. And it brought a smile to my face because that seems to be the standard. When you're assessing the best of the best, who needs to be recognized in the panels of history? It is, who is your Mount Rushmore? And so uh, I've never really heard of a format. Of course, everyone has their personal Mount Rushmore of wrestlers, female wrestlers, tag teams, managers, promoters, uh, you know, ring announcers, refs. Uh, everything that you've, you've probably seen it of, of different promotions, uh, whatever it is. But I have yet to really have heard a Mount Rushmore of Lucha Libre. So that is what we're going to break ground on on today's show. Each one of us is going to be sharing our personal Mount Rushmore of Lucha Libre, uh, letting you all know who's the four that we believe should be highlighted in the panels of history for all to know and give an explanation as to why. Why did we pick these individuals? Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about this i know the team is excited about this um and we're super thrilled to have jury in this with us because uh you know i think that as people are thinking about it just off the top of their head there's definitely going to be some names that we'll probably all have but i do think there's always going to be those one or two that uh either people didn't expect or maybe people would argue with or you know uh, maybe think someone else should be there but i think that's going to be what we'll dive into in just a, a quick second so, um, yes, here we go. This week's special edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. And we're covering the Mount Rushmore of Lucha Libre. So, you know, Jerry, you are our guest. And, of course, this is the time of Thanksgiving. So, you know, as a guest in our house of Lucha Libre, <laughs> known as the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, I would offer that you could go first and kind of share your Mount Rushmore of Lucha Libre. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, it, it, you know, when I was thinking about it, I, I had three names come up that were like, absolutely, in my opinion, are the three. And and those three people are would be El Santo, I think, for, for what he did in Mexico with the movies. Um, you know, he, that he was he was the Marvel Cinematic Universe before there was a Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, he was 
you know, as in case anybody doesn't know, uh, you know, you can look it up on YouTube, but there's these great movies of him wrestling against vampires and werewolves and witches and, and you name the monster, you know, they would take these inspirations from foreign films of foreign monsters and then he'd go and he'd wrestle and, you know, there'd, there'd be a battle. And they'd always include a section of Lucha Libre, right? So that some some people, I think, I think a lot of people, most people have only seen El Santo wrestle from the movie clips. Mm-hmm. Um and and but he was you know those movie posters are all over the place you know they're collectibles all over Mexico, um, so I, I think El Santo for what he did you know he used to drive a James Bond car so they would take these great cinematic influences and they put them into El Santo movies you know so he was your superhero James Bond you know um, all rolled into one right so El Santo's got to be there I, I think probably first and foremost right. And then um, another guy you got to put on there. My number two was uh, Ray Ray Mysterio Jr. Um, and that one's I, I was I've, I was surprised to see that be a debate in a recent uh, post that a Lucha page put up. People from Mexico were like, "Oh no, he's not one of the greatest. Like he's not one of like the like mountaintop of." And I was like, "How can you? How can they think that?" But it's good because in Mexico, his effect isn't the highest, right? He didn't do all these things in Mexico. His his impact is on an international scale. But it's it's so big in the way that he influenced other talent. You look at talent all over the world, they've all been influenced by what he did and his his work. You know, you look at WCW where his match against Eddie Guerrero was the best match in WCW. Um I think I think it's you know pretty I think it's you know it's it's in the it's in the conversation, if not clearly that match was the best match of, you know, WCW who had the best wrestlers. I mean, some of the best wrestlers, right? Like Ric Flair, you had, you know, at Chris Benoit, he had amazing talent. Um, yet his match against Steady was the best match of the whole thing. Um, you know, the way that he mixed up his masks, which El Santo didn't do, right? So mm-hmm. he did that the way he mixed up his gear. You know, the emphasis on gear was really important. Um, so he was, you know, he took it to Japan. And, you know, so that was, you know, so yeah, the influence of Rey Mysterio internationally, I think, puts him at number two. Um my number three is uh, Mil, Mil Mascaras um, because he did the whole mixing up the the masks, the gear um, prior to Ray. And he went to Japan, went to the U.S. You know, you got Cornette talking about, you know, Mil Mascaras and he, you know, he wrestled in Madison Square Garden. Um, you know, so he had that, you know, international appeal too. Um, so I think, you know, him, you know, I, I think he's the, he, he's my number three of, in terms of, and then he also had the big effect in Mexico. He he gets the love in Mexico. He gets yeah. the legend status in Mexico. Absolutely. He gets that. Yeah, he gets that within the country as well. Um, and then from there, it's you know the fourth one is really debatable. The fourth one is really a lot of people I think would put Blue Demon maybe um, because of the iconic mask. But I don't know that he doesn't get overshadowed by Santo. Like he he was mm-hmm. he's kind of in Santo's shadow. Exactly. And then you could you could go with Ganek for what he did uh, with Pero de Cuatro. Caminos, I think he's he'd be a good place there, um, you know. But then you know, there's other options, right? Because you could go with Mystical for what he did, you know, what what people call the boom, um, you know, when 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 Lucha wasn't as big as it had been, and there was an empty space, and Mystical kind of brought it all back, right? Yeah, uh, where you know he he filled up the arenas that hadn't been full in a very long time. Um, yeah, so I think I think those are some of the ones, you know. I think those are some of the. The areas, but you know, there's more out there. You could you could you could fill in that you, know, you could fill in that fourth fourth spot. I'm curious to see, see what you guys say. So you know, my quick thoughts. Uh, without taking up all the 
<laughs> all the so, all the points. Um, yeah, would would be those top three, and then the fourth one, kind of leaving it open to sug, sug, suggestion to see what you guys think. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I did say when we were planning this that that's probably how it was going to go. Is most people uh-huh. would agree on two or three pretty strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. I guess I'll just jump in with mine because we have a lot of overlap here. I did the same thing. I said El Santo is my number one pick for much of the same reasons. I mean, but he was even – you didn't even scratch the surface with like he also did the comic books. Mm-hmm. Uh, he influenced art. Like he is just a cultural phenomenon that created mm-hmm. the the Lucha Libre phenomenon as well. Um, mm-hmm. I – uh I went for number two, and I, uh, for my number two, I went with Eddie Guerrero instead, um, mostly mm-hmm. because uh, he, when he and Art Bar started working there, they were the ones that started bringing a lot of elements of the American style of storytelling in, which changed a lot of Lucha Libre at that point. And that's kind of the, the way I focused on my four, is the people that had the biggest impact on Lucha Libre as a whole. So uh, I I thought that Eddie and uh, had uh, in addition to being able to bring in that international spotlight much in the way that Rey Mysterio did, I thought that uh, he he helped influence the way that the sport looks today, and it would be in a very different place if he hadn't done a lot of that work he did in the United States and then gone to Mexico. My number three was Rey Mysterio. Again, much of the same reasons he. Uh, changed the shape of Lucha Libre. He created the popularities internationally at this point, which is making people turn their eyes to Mexico when they're looking for new talent around the world and put Mexico even further on the map as a legitimate source for professional wrestling that is unique, colorful, and distinct from everywhere else, and people need to see it. Um, I uh, And then my fourth... Because uh, I was thinking again, how did how did people change the world? This was totally about that. I, I had mulled over many of the same things. I mulled over Kinect, who defined an era, did a did a lot of great things. I uh, uh, because we we're talking about change, I considered Conan, who also was part of that that '90s change that really helped all of that, and then also. Uh, went into producing down uh, down in Mexico, which has uh, further influenced the storytelling. Mm-hmm. But instead, I went with um, Antonio Pena for breaking off and creating mm-hmm. AAA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, again, now we have two companies that can have very distinctly different storytelling types. Uh, and uh, it was kind of a brave move at the time to do it, like to, to step away and, and do something different and, and uh, has created a lasting legacy. So that's uh, those are my four and my, my logic behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we had a lot of overlap, you and I. Um, <laughs> I, I picked Santo because, like, he's the George Washington. He's the original <laughs> yeah, guy, yeah. you know. <laughs> And then, like, I did labor about Blue Demon versus Mil Mascaras, but ultimately I picked Mil Mascaras. He had more of an international presence. He could go to New York. He was the first wrestler that was allowed to wear a mask in Madison Square Garden. Um, But he could go to New York and instantly be in the main event. He could go to Tokyo and instantly be in the main event. And he's still alive. That's huge. Like, Mm -hmm. regardless of his politics and wrestling, 
he's he's still alive. Like this is a big deal. Somebody of his caliber and influence, like he's the only one left of that original era, you know, when they were movie stars. Um, he was only, you know, third to Santo and Blue Demon in movies, but still, mm-hmm. like, he was a, a big deal. And Santo, too, I didn't want to skip this. He was the guy that started the keeping your mask on all the time. Nobody ever sees you without your mask. That started with Santo. Yeah. He had a special mask so that he could eat, you know, with the mouth cut out. He would fly separately from everybody else on a different flight, different day. So nobody knew who he was. You know, it was a big deal. And so that's a, a big touch. And then my third was Eddie Guerrero. He had another huge international impact. He was Black Tiger in Japan. Mm-hmm. He, you know, came to WCW while he was in AAA, the La Peria del Terror. I mean, that was huge money. That was kind of what gave AAA the financial basis to take off the way they did was this team. I mean, they brought mm-hmm. people to the shows. And then when he went to America, like he and Rey Mysterio together, they kind of revolutionized what the cruiserweights could be, what a luchador could be for a lot of Americans. You know, they kind of had a vague idea of luchadors or masked wrestling. But when they brought it to WCW, ECW first, then WCW, it legitimized it to a lot of people in a way that just hadn't been done before. And Eddie worked with everybody. You know, I mean, he he wrestled the title match with CM Punk before CM Punk was famous, really. He, you know, I mean, he worked with everybody and then he influenced everybody still that's important. You know, like Sasha Banks will talk Mm -hmm. about it. Andrade is obviously very influenced by Eddie. And so you see those echoes that are still felt today. And I think that's a very Mm -hmm. important piece of the Eddie Guerrero legacy is his influence. And so... He was my third. And then fourth, I kind of mentioned him already, but Ray Mysterio Jr., he had another huge international presence. He he went to Japan. He came to America. He Like Momoscaris, he changed up the gear all the time. You hardly ever saw him in anything like you had seen him in before. It was always cool, but you always knew he was Ray Mysterio. And I feel like because of his placement in WWE, he's arguably the most famous luchador ever. I mean, so many, especially internationally, when people think of a luchador or even just a masked wrestler, they think of Rey Mysterio. And like, that's your first thought because he's been seen, you know, he's like, even his current storyline on YouTube is the most popular storyline on WWE's YouTube. By a good margin. Yeah. It's had more total viewers than anything else. Even the Roman Reigns and everything, Rey Mysterio is still that popular. And so you just can't, undersell his influence and his popularity and i feel like because he's still active the way he is that it's easier to discount his legacy especially you know like in mexico because he did it on an international level but as far as i know he's wrestled in more like he's wrestled on all you know the six continents and over 40 countries and i don't even think mil mascaras has wrestled as many places as Rey mysterio has thanks to that wwe placement and so his popularity and influence in place has to be you know heavily considered so he was my number four yeah i definitely i think we all have a lot of the same people uh on here i have i have a different iteration though so i'm i'll be curious as to what your thoughts are on on this because uh i took a different spin uh a little bit with one of my picks well actually two of my picks um because i think 
just to reiterate, I mean, El Santo is the alpha, the origin almost of mm -hmm. Lucha Libre. And also, too, that crossover appeal that we didn't really see in America until the Hulk Hogan's, until the Rocks. That that's almost how Lucha, it was almost in reverse in Mexico, where that crossover appeal started on screen. And then the the rise of the popularity in Lucha Libre happened afterward or succinctly. Um, and so that you know, as being a part of the history of El Santo, but in everything that you all had mentioned, um, whether it was, you know, his his presence um, in the communities, how he really altered how, you know, even just the dynamic of, of keeping your mask on at all times, the ultimate hero as, as well, you know, the, the big baby face, uh, technical, you know, whatever word you want to use it, he is the godfather of that. It wouldn't be here today without him. So, and I think culturally too, I mean, his mask is what you think of when you think of Lucha Libre, you know, as far as the, the tradition and the history of it. But I have to agree too. Another person that, that you think of when you think of masks is Rey Mysterio. I think he is that modern version. And Jerry makes a good point about probably people in Mexico not looking at Rey Mysterio's career as, you know, something worth being on the pinnacle because a lot of that did happen in the United States. Um, so it was so impactful in bringing an American audience to Lucha Libre, but I can absolutely see too why in Mexico it's not highly revered because it may have not done a lot to bring um, audiences there. I, I think he's always a a goodwill ambassador or representation of Lucha Libre around the world. Um, but I also could absolutely see why on a more local scale and level, people are like, yeah, that's great. But actually there's other people that they think are a better representation of Lucha Libre within Mexico. And I think that yeah. could be where the big breakdown of mm -hmm. wh whether he's on this or not to happen is really your perspective on you know, where, where are you coming from in Lucha Libre? And I think for us as those who grew up in American audiences, he is someone that has represented that for years and has uh, brought that to such a main stage and a wide scale um, to the biggest wrestling company in the world um, and has been that representative of Lucha Libre in WWE and WCW and even ECW. I mean, these mm -hmm. much, much bigger promotions for many, yeah. many years. And that leaves a real lasting impact. Now, this is my spin on one of the picks. So uh, I thought about this, and I, I knew a lot of people were going to pick Eddie Guerrero. And I thought, and there's so many Guerreros. There's so much of history within the Guerrero. So I wanted mm -hmm. to actually take a step back and put Gory Guerrero on there. Because I feel like we wouldn't have any of the Guerreros, uh, Chavo and Mondo and Hector and Eddie, without without Gory. And also I think his influence on the moveset in Lucha Libre and the development of new wrestling moves that are still used to this mm -hmm. day, that's incorporated as the basis in, in learning, you know, the technical aspect of, of wrestling, but also in, in Lucha Libre. And so, you know, for me, I thought when you're looking at the name Guerrero instantly just you know, mm -hmm. takes you to, you know, whoever, especially Eddie, but to the, the history and the influence of the entire Guerrero family. Mm -hmm. And for me, just picking Eddie, I think, um, was going to be hard. Not because, you know, of all the things that have been said. I mean, we've, we've talked about Eddie before just recently uh, as just being 
someone that as a wrestling fan, like his life and death has, has influenced wrestlers and fans, commentators, like everybody. And uh, the fact that it really too was his spin uh, on in an American audience setting, uh, but also taking a lot of what he's learned from his family and, and Mexican culture into such this mainstream audience was amazing. Uh, but even just the history of the Guerreros and what they've done in training hundreds of, of, of people that those people then went to go train on more. Like I feel like that legacy and lineage, yep. I think that too lineage is such an important element in Absolutely. Lucha Libre mm -hmm. that I think when you think of family legacy, um, one of the biggest dynasties is the Guerreros. And so I wanted that also to yeah. kind of be a spin on family dynasties because um, I feel like even though we see that too with, with um, El Santo, even with, with the Mysterios, yeah. The to me, I think the biggest wrestling dynasty um, of of all time, and I know some people will say, "What about the heart?" So you know that it's. I think the most influential is the Guerreros. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, absolutely. based based on the sheer number of people they trained, you'd be talking about the Hearts and the Guerreros, and I I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. I don't want people to come at me as far as saying, you know, one is, is better than the, the other. I, that yeah. is not what I'm trying to say, everyone. I'm not trying to start an internet war between the Guerreros and the Hearts. Uh, this is not the McCoys and the Hatfields at all. But uh, I'm just thinking that in the context of what we are yeah. discussing, yep. to me, that that just resonates in leaving a spot in there. And, and to say that Eddie's spot there, too, would be representative of, you know, the Guerreros as, as well. But I think because the cornerstone's gory, that uh, I... That's what was my spin was going to be on. Yeah, this. I like that. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And then the second spin I wanted to do on this, because I had also talked thought about uh, Mil Mascaras, um, but then I wanted to do something a little different, and I wanted to explore. Not that I'm well versed in this, so please, Internet Two, <laughs> do not come at me. But one of the most comparable or comparable cultures in in wrestling is is the Japanese culture and how much that's tied into it. So I wanted to throw out there. I still I'm leaning more towards one than the other, uh, but I was wanting to throw in a Jushin Thunder, Thunder yes. Liger. Uh, or even <laughs> Ultimo uh, Dragon. Um, I, I, I was I leaning more through through Jushin. I feel like with yeah. his, his lengthy career and presence, exactly, and really building that bridge between uh, lucha libre and, and Japanese style wrestling, like that's profound. That's a profound yeah, relationship. Is. And he trained in Mexico. You know, he mm -hmm. was too small to train in Japan, so he trained in Mexico. And yep. You know, he's just, yeah, I love Jushin Liger. And historically, he's very important for that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, like, he was, and, and Ultimo Dragon was at the same time. But, like, Jushin yeah. Liger's influence, I feel, is much bigger, especially on the international scale and the, the current scale. You know, Jushin, mm -hmm. people love Jushin Liger. He's still a commentator. I mean, he's still, you know, very influential. And, yeah, I think that was an excellent choice. He was my alternate. So. Ah, okay. See. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, well, I, Jerry... knew, I knew you were going to definitely going to be all in when you said Japan because I'm like Jushin Liger and, and Ultimo Dragon are two of his favorites. So yeah. 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 Yes, I know, but I I think Jerry opened the door. I mean, that fourth spot. I think there's those those ones, exactly. of course, like and. 
Yeah, yeah. but when, when Jerry mentioned like that fourth one, I was like, I think we're yeah. all in that boat too. Like we all yeah. kind of had, of course you had, you know, the standards of, of Ray and of Santo and Mil and, and Eddie, but then depending too on, on what your perspective and you're looking at this from, we are fandom, whether, you know, again, I, I'm not as well versed with Japanese uh, wrestling and even that, that relationship between Lucha Libre and Japan. But I know that what, you know, one of the biggest tie-ins is, is Jushin Thunder Liger and the fact mm-hmm. that it's really built this, this bridge between these two cultures and these two styles of wrestling way beyond the American style. And I think that those complement each other so well. And Jushin has just been such a, a amazing representative of that um and now too i think in wrestling has become more of a hybrid of different styles and different parts of the world and i think that too um was was really the beginning of all of that you know mm-hmm. really that that start of you know hybrid styles of, of wrestling and movesets that now it's become so much more blended uh that at a time it was you know a little bit less heard of uh, yeah. so as yeah. As we've gone, so now now that we've all gone through our top, you know, our Mount Rushmore's, do you guys want to do a round of like who you who, listening to one another? Is is there anybody who you feel like you might have missed, or because I know for me in listening to what you guys said, I'm like, man, how did I not mention Conan? Right. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> That's missed. true. That yeah. yeah. As soon Conan. as soon as yeah, he, as, he, uh, yeah. as Brendan mentioned uh, AAA, I was like Conan. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. He, like for me, what he brought, I should totally have added him to one of my alternates because, like, mm-hmm. he's such a huge impact on. Um, he was one of the most like unselfish guys in the sense that when he went somewhere, he brought people in too. Exactly. Yeah. I'm yeah. great. Like, cool. Thanks for bringing me in. Thanks for flying me from way far away to Philadelphia to ECW or to yeah. wherever. We are. But he was always like, if you guys like what I'm doing, you should see these guys and give them a chance too. And that's not always the case. And sometimes wrestling and especially yeah. back then be like a selfish kind of business. Yeah. And we saw him um I mean consistently bring in people that, you know, could have could and did overshadow him, right? Like Ray Jr. or Penta and Phoenix and what they mm-hmm. what he did for them. But there's a laundry list of great talent who can thank Conan for yeah. taking them to ECW, WCW, yeah. MLW, WWE, wherever he went, Lucha Underground, he was pulling people, um, you know, yeah. he is huge. Yeah. Huge influence. He was a, he was very, it was a very tough choice on, on a couple of the, he could have fit in on a couple of my choices, but uh, ultimately he was just a, an honorable mention at that uh, but a very high one. Like I really wanted to find a way to fit him in. On my... can I cheat and have two people on one head? Is that what? I... <laughs> you know. Then, then it's like now you're just adding. Like there's like maybe the top <laughs> tier, and then you have like a bottom tier of faces. You know, yeah. I don't know the logistics of how you add to Mount Rushmore. But well, yeah, my honorable mention was just the whole Peros del Mall thing. You know, they had Taya, they had Pedro Guayo Jr., they had Pentagon, you know, like it was huge and it was so big in the moment. And that's what kind of vaulted those guys to superstardom. And, you know, that was kind of the the beginning of all of that. I felt like that deserved a mention, too. You know, that was a very ambitious thing and it really turned out beautifully. An amazing faction and sold a lot of merchandise, made a lot of money. You know, that's always important, too, because that's the kind of things that stick around. And so, yeah, I just thought that was very cool. 
Bullet Club levels of merchandise. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a good (laughs) point, too. I think with the evolution of merchandising now becoming Mm -hmm. its own aspect of of wrestling um, Mm -hmm. and its own profit line, its own form of... um, of marketing, um, you know, that, that too, I think that they kind of got to that level, even like prior to bullet club, like that was pre bullet club. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, it was. (laughs) Yeah. It's just an easy comparison for me to have made. Everybody knows that. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a recognizable logo, such a recognizable group of guys, you know, and, and Taya that came up together and Taya is, so important. She kind of needs an honorable mention in a way, you know, yeah. she revolutionized a lot of that when she came into Lucha Underground, she wrestled the guys. I think she was seen as more legitimate than sexy star immediately, you know, through the viewers. And so it was, you know, I mean, her influence I think is going to loom large over women's yeah. wrestling in the future and women's Lucha Libre in the future too. Yeah. But but much like a Rey Mysterio, she's not telling telling that story yet. Which exactly. Is part yeah. of the reason I hadn't thought of her in yeah. that, that area yet. But you're right, Miranda. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh no no no! I was just gonna say that's kind of a, a segue into kind of an honorable mention I was thinking about too, and it was the Apache family, and especially Lady Apache yeah. and and Marty. I think that they talking about being so influential in female wrestling and women's wrestling. Um, But I think too, how story driven they've been and kind of how they've really incorporated that family aspect. Of course it's happened before, but I feel like the way that they've done that throughout their careers um, has been really, really special. And I think Lady Apache is really just that, that cornerstone of uh, modern women's wrestling in, in Lucha Libre. And um, and I think even same thing with Madi. I mean, their their storytelling and what they've done in the ring and who they've worked with too mm-hmm. is a, is a sign of you know if you work with them, you are going to be part of the future um, of of lucha libre. And just uh, you know, I I think that they really played a, such a very important role um, in contributing to to women's wrestling and i mean they haven't had as much of the international i mean they have as far as being able to wrestle all over the world maybe not as much um visibility or you know kind of fans remembering them as as much as i think they should but i do feel like when you you do talk about women's wrestling in mexico that that family and especially apache and and madi or uh, fabi uh and madi like those are the the two i really think of and hold close and dear well to a point that you were getting at earlier with the Carreras, though the the apache family is responsible for training so many people in mexico um and to to the point that i have uh, mentioned on the show at least once that uh lady apache is one of the only female instructors in all of mexico at this point so that that's how respected that that name and that brand is that uh she's able to kind of cut through a lot of that and and still able to to be a highly respected instructor mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah so one thing that's that's interesting is that when you look at like the u.s wrestling mount rushmore they're all tied to promotions right whether you're, <laughs> talk, you're talking about flair austin hogan Rock, mm-hmm. they yeah. all they all made their names in promotions. Yet the names that we're speaking are not necessarily tied to CMLL or uh, AAA, 
right? If you if you asked for, hey, who who's the representative from CMLL to the the Mount Rushmore, you probably go with Atlantis or with Negro Casas or somebody like that. Um, mm-hmm. If you went AAA, you probably you'd have to go La Parca. Um, you know, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> That's one I forgot. Oh gosh, now that one too. I was like, damn, I should have had him on the list. Yeah, right. So it's interesting to me though that we've been having a conversation for a half an hour about you know about the fit of the uh, Mount Rushmore of lucha, and really these these guys aren't tied to any promotion okay. for that long, oh. unless you go with the MLO, But these are independent kind of yeah. personalities. Yeah. Just, just one of the overall picks was tied to anything, and that was because uh, I wanted to represent that having two major promotions now was a big deal. But uh, yeah. yeah, you are. You're, I think. I think the way that lucha works is so much different that it's mm-hmm. uh, people want to watch lucha. They don't. They're not. They don't care about the brand. They care about what the product looks like. So yeah. mm-hmm. there's not. It's not the same as here in the United States where the brands went to war and one of them actually won. And now we talk right. about you know. Uh, yeah. So it, it's a very interesting point. You're right that that it's so different that we could talk about these guys who and and if you look at the records of all of these guys, you're to the point with Conan. He worked everywhere. He didn't just do one one promotion. He was everywhere. Rey Mysterio w- was everywhere. Um, I mean, we're yeah. Everybody do- doesn't really have a brand that they represent. I mean, arguably, I guess. Rey Mysterio got most famous in WWE, but uh, even then, like he's he's still huge everywhere, and they, I don't think exactly. they would they would care if he wrestled anywhere else. Yeah, but Ray Ray was um like I was making a point to somebody how like WWE needs Ray no more than Ray needs WWE because yeah. Yeah. When, mm-hmm. when Ray left WWE. Um, and anyone Triple A, Triple A had a little boom there when when you had that World, mm-hmm. World Cup, where yeah. you, had, you know, like it was just, it was a really nice time, and and uh, he was you know dressing up like the Terminator because he had that Terminator thing. Yeah, was, yeah like, that was great. So as you know, tri- so like Terminator wanted to work with Triple A to get that on him to get you know to work yeah. with Ray Mysterio and have that ter- and, and have that thing, and then they did the Mission Impossible deal, I think too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was right around that Ray Mysterio in the thing, right? And then mm-hmm. he did Lucha Underground, and Lucha Underground was awesome, you know. And he was there with them, and that was a, yeah. and he had a nice thing there. And then he he was in the main event of All In. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, he's a marquee name anywhere he goes. No yep. matter where yeah. he goes in the world, no matter what promotion, he's instantly main event. You know, like yeah. that's this level of status and his caliber as a wrestler to this day, like. You know, people are as excited as they were, you know, 25 years ago to see Rey Mysterio. And it's crazy that his popularity has increased over the years like that. And that that is one thing that is true in Mexico, America, Japan, everywhere, is if you are able to be that big of a draw, that is what makes you main event potential. Mm-hmm. Not Absolutely. Uh, not any anything else, not seniority in the company, not... Uh, the amount of dollars that you you uh, asked for on your contract signing—it's how much that you, they think that they can use you to to draw eyes to their product. Absolutely. And he went to 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 New Japan too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Had that amazing yeah. lion, the New Japan yeah. lion. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was incredible. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I, and I think, though, too, it's more to a point you're like, again, culturally, there's a different shift in the United States uh, that you have more of these these promotions at war. You not war, but, you know, they're they're in competition with each other and, and it's still happening in, in Mexico as well. But it's more of a general understanding that this is the progression of someone's careers, that it's much more acceptable to work with multiple promotions um, at different times of, of your career. Um, and almost that the promotions kind of rely on that understanding that you have to kind of grow within other promotions in order to get to that marquee level. And even sharing and utilizing talent is a lot more common um, in in Mexico than it is in the United States. And I don't know if that's just more of a, uh, you know, much more of a cultural thing here in the United States of people being exclusive to promotions and that interpromotion type of work being a, a bit more rare. Um, or even within the United States, that you'll see it more common of U.S. promotions partnering with uh, international promotion instead of, you know, co-promoting within the United States. I think, too, it's a big shift in mindset and, and cultural acceptance. And even just the career flow is viewed very differently in the U.S. because of, you know, the goal is to get to, to WWE and that's it. And I think in Mexico, it's more just set whether it's exploring and working with different promotions or hitting different career peaks or getting to the U.S. or other countries. I feel like goal setting there, too, is structured very differently. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely different. And I, yeah, like, although, you know, the, I don't know. Yeah, it's absolutely. You just don't see that in the United States anymore, especially when we had the kind of regionalism in the Indies, you'd see people hop around, but that with WWE, that's ended. You know, people are kind of brand loyal, and yeah. Well, some of that is enforced brand loyalty, as the yeah. the stories that are going around right now are are firmly reminding people. It's <laughs> no, it's been no secret for some time, but we're definitely, it's definitely, everyone is more aware that that loyalty is uh, required. Yeah. One thing of, um, about Gory, about Gory uh, Guerrero and his impact is that I think I'd read that he brought um, some of that, um, like, pun intended, Gory style on the blood matches, um, mm -hmm. uh, Lucha, that he had gotten from some of the Texas stuff. Um, and then that led to a lot of the bloodbath wrestling in Torreo that everybody loves and adores. People used to really, you know, that's, that was the real, <laughs> and that was, you know, I, I think a lot of influence of the, of that Lucha was from, from Gory's work in, uh, you know, when he, when he yeah. was, yeah, real young down there. Yes. Yeah, I, I constantly try and describe kind of the differences I feel between like Texas Lucha Libre and like California, you know, yeah. other type of West Coast, because it's very, very different. So you make mm -hmm. such a good point, too, about that it's more true. brutal side. It's mm -hmm. so ingrained with Texas-style wrestling, um, which I feel like is, like, more on-the-mat-driven, more hardcore, more rough-and-tumble style, where I think California Absolutely. really loved that high-flying, fast-paced uh, type of, of aerial uh, work. Uh, and not to say that they're not, they can be mutual exclusive. I mean, of course, but yeah. that's just my sense it's, of, it's of, true, of yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, the generalization. Absolutely. That's yeah. So that, so that makes gross. a lot of, 
sense. And that too is its own element of, of Lucha Libre, kind of that subtext in there as, as well that has become very popular and well-known um, throughout the world is kind of the brutality uh, of it. And uh, that's some yeah. really yeah interesting insight too about, about Gory because I think that, again, to me it was, you know, really inventing, you know, some, some movesets that now are, are part of just, you know, the standard staples of wrestling and, um, in any format. Uh, and I think that it, in it of itself is contribution enough, but just the lineage of trainers and performers uh, and everyone that's come through that, that lineage and legacy and then branching out to all of those people that it's impacted. I mean, it is, I, I don't think Lucha Libre would even look the same, you know, not only because of the presence of Eddie, but just the entire lineage uh, of the Guerrero family. We wouldn't mm -hmm. be, I don't even, you know, obviously, I don't know if we'd even be that popular um, because of just the, the ripple and waves uh, of it. Of course, in the U.S. culture, because of Eddie, but I think with, you know, the, the training and the skill set that they then passed on to everybody else um, and, and even just their ability to, to wrestle where they did. Um, I think that that, too, we'd, we'd have such a different conversation if it wasn't for, for that family. So here's, here's a question. Had Chavo and Mando not gone everywhere and wrestled everyone, right, from like Roddy Piper, <laughs> they were all over the place, right? Yeah, they really years, were, yeah. Years before Eddie, Mando and Chavo were out wrestling everybody and everyone on the mid-card and, and above, right? Um, had they not done that, when Eddie came around, would would the people have been would his his talent his you know coworkers uh, the other talent have been so open to this kid doing all this lucha stuff if he didn't come from that kind of lineage where he if he didn't have that name if he was just some random guy trying to do all these you know new moves if he wasn't a Guerrero if they hadn't if they didn't know that his brothers had done all this work if they didn't know where he had come from would they have been so open to that stuff or would they have shut him down as this kid's weird this is gonna so hurt. I so based on the, based on the timing, I would say they probably would have been a little more open to it because what what happened was Eddie didn't do a lot of lucha before he went to Mexico, and he brought lucha back with him when he came back, and that was when lucha was starting to be a bigger export. He got he got big in Mexico and brought that back, so people were like, okay, this is what he he did to get him famous. Let's work with him a little bit. Um, that's what the ECW matches were all about mm -hmm. was Paul Heyman was trying to bring in new what he thought was going to be the next big thing. And that's why right. he brought in Eddie and Ray and Psychosis. So um, based on the timing, I would say that that yes, but had had there not also been like uh, a peso devaluation at the time, we may not have seen that. He, uh, he might not have even left Mexico and people wouldn't have necessarily been seen. Lucha is the next big thing. I, yeah, I think I, I know what you mean, though, Jerry. I think maybe the career trajectory would have looked different. I think having the name and his brothers already come to the U.S. and wrestle helped his credibility because that's, again, the lineage mm -hmm. is all about who trains you, who are you from. And so the fact that mm -hmm. his brothers did a lot of that legwork and, you know, a lot of people already liked them and knew that they were reliable wrestlers that I think it helped pave the path for him a little quicker. Um, Absolutely. and so he could have those opportunities and that way the career tra trajectory happened the way that it did. Um, and so I wouldn't necessarily say that it would have been as far as maybe less acceptable, but I think that 
he was able to do a lot in the time frame that he had because you know his brothers had already had that presence here and people felt comfortable giving him those opportunities because they knew you know you're a Guerrero we know that you could yeah. can deliver Absolutely. so to, right. to that to that point yeah on, on what I was saying uh Eddie was already moving up higher and faster than the other guys I was talking about. So they absolutely knew, uh, particularly Hector, who had a really good reputation for being a safe worker from everybody I've talked to, that uh, if he's related to to the Guerreros, then there's there's something that uh, is worth worth, uh, working with there for sure. Yeah, they were already a well-respected name and, and as trainers. I believe it was, uh, Mando that even the, the wow, the, <laughs> you know, like he had done glow. Glow. Glow ladies. Yeah. Yeah. And he trained all of them, you know, so like that when they looked for a wrestling trainer, that's who they got, you know, like yep. that's it's so they were already well-respected. And so I think that name recognition coming with them can't be undervalued when he would Not say, let's try this. I got this idea or let's, let me show you this new thing. You know what I mean? Like, I think yep. that came with all of that, that, he, the whole family was known to be great wrestlers. They, you know, had developed an excellent reputation with other wrestlers and in the wrestling community. And so I think that that has to be considered with his trajectory. Yeah. Cause they weren't just a sideshow, you know, which yeah. sometimes wrestling can be a sideshow business. Right. And now the mm-hmm. lucha talent, right. Um, and with him, he had that pedigree, so he couldn't just be a, you know, he, yeah. He the lucha style to, you know, the real the, the big show. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I have an interesting uh, perspective on, on this next question, uh, or just an extra, an interesting kind of uh, question to ask. I think this will get us thinking. Um, we've talked about the past, uh, but I want us to look forward into the future. So anyone within Lucha Libre now, who do we think could be on the Mount Rushmore of Lucha Libre in the next? 10, 20, you know, years in the future, who, who do we think is, is, has the potential to get up to the Mount Rushmore? We have to mention Penta, right? Like, yeah, he's like the number one guy right now. I think the mm-hmm. most likely be the next Lucha guy, you know, mm-hmm. to be of massive influence. We've seen his potential. He's starting to get to display that on AEW in front of a national audience. Um, that last match, especially people have seen mm-hmm. what they can do and what Lucha Libre can be. And, you know, we mentioned that with Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero too, but Penta and Phoenix, they're expanding people's idea of what Lucha Libre can be in an international context and in an American wrestling context. Mm-hmm. And it's not just flips and, you know, acrobatics no. and entertainment because some people have gotten conditioned to that idea. But when you see Penta, like it's so much more, it's, he's got such a brutal martial arts style um, moveset, <laughs> you know, it's just different, you know, like he's just a different guy, his mannerisms, his personality, his, you know, everything, the way he does Everything is so special and so unique, and he has that je ne sais quoi that you just have to have, that undefinable element. Pinta has that. He's the guy for me. I, I think I, I'm with you. I just had an interesting revelation on this, though. Uh, the Lucha Brothers are kind of the physical embodiment of what we were talking about between the California style of Lucha Libre yeah, and the Texas absolutely. style of Lucha Libre. <laughs> <laughs> It's so, very true. 
Yes. So now when you're trying to explain to people, you can use those two as your, your benchmarks. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Good, good analogy. I appreciate that. Like that. Yeah. What about you, Jerry? Do you have any kind of thoughts on who do you think could be the future uh, Mount Rushmore of Lucha Libre? Sure. Um, so, you know, you could go with, in, in terms of Mexico, right? If you want to keep it, like, not keep it, but if you want to take into account, like, impact in Mexico, I think the guy is uh, is Rush. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Young, and I think he can fill up Arena Mexico. Um, you know, he's got a ton of charisma. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so I th- I think Rush is 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 a guy on the Mexico side that can uh, you know that yeah. that's on his way that that could make it that could do something. Uh, I mean, he already done so much, right? So just keep yeah. keep it up and keep filling up arenas and you know if he you know it's really just the money stopping him. But you no, know, that that feud against LA Park that's supposed to happen. You know that's supposed to happen if that ever happens. You know that would kind of cement it. So yeah. I think what the guy. Um, I think uh, on the on the US side, you know, I think Angel Garza is tremendous. Uh, because yeah, he has the TV charisma, you know, he has the TV experience. He's got all the in-ring talent. Um, so I think you know, there's nothing stopping him from doing whatever he wants, um, talent-wise. Uh, and then you know, you got because and those are kind of easier because they're the the they're great like uh, rudos, like they're great. Mm-hmm. You know, on the on the high flyer side, everybody's so good, you know. So whether you go with <laughs> really. You go, Hard, with Dan, okay. you go with Phoenix, you go with I mean, everybody's there's a lot of really great talent, right? Um, it's a little bit harder on the on the tech, technical side, but yeah, they, I think it throw uh, Rush and Garza on there. Yeah, I, and I agree with, with everything that's already been said. I mean, uh, Penta was the first one that, that came to mind, but Jerry, mm-hmm. too, as you were talking about Angel, and a lot of this is going to depend on how this gets handled, but Santos, yeah, um, really with the legacy yes. uh, of. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. being able to Fantasma and, and the Fantasma, that lineage, but also, you know, if they keep doing this right, then I could see his career trajectory really being well on the the either Raw or SmackDown. I think it's being held and done so well in NXT um, mm-hmm. because it's 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 a, such a good storytelling and cultural recognition. Um, but it also longevity, you know, it could truly be another kind of Rey Mysterio type of uh, expression of Lucha Libre, where it, it is more looked at as such a positive thing and not a, not a gimmick. Um, but that if they do do that and they do go kind of the gimmicky side, then it's all lost as for nothing. Um, but at that, that's to me where I feel like it could go. I don't know. I don't know. Like there's just, there's potential. I see it. Keep on going with it. But if, if it goes through a wrong turn, I don't think there's going to be a recovery period from that. But I also have to agree. Rush is just like, mm-hmm. he, I think too, again, that crossover appeal with, with uh, ring of honor and now that has really turned ring of honor on its head with, you know, such a really strong Lucha Libre influence and presence on that roster. Um, that, you know, I think is also almost like a, a coming of age for ring of honor and an evolution for ring of honor. Who's already had such a strong delivery of technical wrestling. And now they're still able to do that, but with just a, a different set of, of people. And, and it's again, I think an evolution that Ring of Honor needed to have because they couldn't keep relying on the same format of storytelling, especially if all these great wrestlers kept going away to, to bigger mm-hmm. companies. I think Lucha Libre for them is 
an important aspect of the future that you really need to evaluate. If their goal as a company is to continue to produce quality pro wrestling and focus that and, and their talent and the performers, I think they have that in Lucha Libre and, and with the stars that they have. Um, and, and Rush is just one of, of those people. And, but again, too, is bringing that crossover to American audiences. Um, and I think getting American audiences excited uh, about Lucha Libre. So, um, that too. I mean, since we've already mentioned that with Ray and, and Eddie, and, and even again El Santo, just culturally, that is the recognition. I think Rush could absolutely be in that conversation in the future. I think Laredo Kid is another guy that could yeah. be up there. The two best. He's been in both of the you know the top two matches I've seen in AAA this year. He was in both of them. He was the common element. He's going to wrestle Kenny Omega for the. Triple A Mega Campion Championship. And so I think he's getting ready to cross that next level. He's tremendous. And if he can back back it up with getting enough eyes on the talent, the talent is absolutely there. And so I think somebody like Laredo Kid is easily going to be a, a big deal, maybe the next big deal, depending where he goes. Yep. Yeah, so so when the question came up, the first person that came immediately springing to mind was was Angel Garza. I also have the same doubts that Miranda does. Uh, if he's not used properly in the company he's in right now, then it's it, it's going to stymie his growth in the same way that we're seeing with other luchadors that are struggling in that company right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd also thought of both of the the Lucha Bros. I mean, obviously they're they're easy easy picks for they're going to do something big in the new fear, near future. Absolutely. But, but uh, when Jerry was talking about it's hard to pick the high flyers. Uh, for me, one actually does stand out. I think Hio Vakingo is is a big standout for a Technico and a high flyer and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that he could very well reach that, reach the potential that he has because uh, he's on track to do it right now. Oh, absolutely. He is tremendous and he gets it. He's got that same thing. He's just got it. And that's yeah. star factor. Yeah. And, and he's able right now to, to do things that nobody's seen, which draws absolutely eyes to him regardless of, of the it factor. But then you add in that he's, got an in-ring charisma and and you don't really want to see bad things happen to him. Yeah. So, uh you know he i think that will be a good matchup like honestly like him and and uh, roosh would be a an earth-shattering match at this I'd point i love that yeah, yeah. That'd be so good <laughs> we we missed one oh <laughs> pwg bola winner bandido Yes. Yes. <laughs> See, that's why we have to have these conversations because then we realize who we miss. That's exactly why we're doing this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. And you look at the guys that have won Bola and uh, and what they've gone and done, and uh, now Bandido did it, and he's mm-hmm. you know he got voted into the main event or one of the, one of the for the anniversary show at CMLL, so he's beloved there. Um, you know, he was all in the main event of All In, uh, the first one. So he's respected by the by his, his uh, you know, uh, by the other talent. I think he's another guy that's up there. He's right up there at the top. Yeah, yeah. you can't underestimate the fact that the other talent has so much respect for him. That absolutely, I mean, that is a truly telling thing. That people that work with him have nothing but good things to say about their expectations of him, their time working with him. Like that's that's hugely telling. 
Yes, yes. I mean, I think that's maybe that's why this hasn't been done before because it's so hard <laughs> to pick uh, all, all of the people. I mean, like we said, we had, of course, the standards, uh, and then you know that that third and fourth spot kind of fluctuated uh, around. And that's then when cool. you think about people that you missed out, you think about promoters, you think about people who've helped bring other people into the business. And then mm -hmm. you also think about the future of, of Lucha Libre and who could be rising up and getting to these points um, where, you know, they'll, they'll be in these conversations in the next 10 to 20 years. Um, because as we've seen too, I mean, one, we're getting into a much different landscape with wrestling in general, but with Lucha Libre and a, a wider audience that it's reaching, your perspective as far as your fandom of Lucha Libre and, and you know, what are you looking for out of your Mount Rushmore? And, you know, the contributions are going to vary, whether it's masks and design. Is it, you know, crossover to audiences from different parts of the world? Is it, you know, contributions to the style of wrestling? Is it character? Is it eventually, is it going to be, you know, social media presence? Uh, and merchandising that ends up, you know, being a part of the conversation. You know, I think those all those variables make it that much more interesting and challenging. The number of promotions they've worked for, the promotions that they've worked for, championships held. You know, I think that, mm -hmm. too, is an interesting kind of conversation where, you know, I think in, uh, as uh, Jerry mentioned, too, a lot of these um uh, in, in, when you talk about traditional, uh, Mount Rushmore of kind of U.S. wrestlers, a lot of it's by, you know, how many championships they've held, which championships they've held. And I think in this too, we haven't talked about that at all because it doesn't seem oh, like that, yeah. that necessarily is a, a vital, uh, aspect in the decision making process. You know, they've won yeah. championships. And so, like Jerry said, because they've worked with all different types of promotions, they've held tons of championships as well. Um, so, even the amount doesn't seem to be a, a deciding factor for any of us. It's really, you know, what they've contributed and what they've done and, you know, what we just talked about, what they will do. I couldn't tell you without going on to Google at the number of championships any of the people we've talked about today have held. I, I couldn't either. No, I don't know. I'm pretty I sure Mascaras is still champion of like three promotions. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Oh, uh, probably. <laughs> yeah, he was still wrestling last year in Japan. Like he's wrestled yeah. in the last 18 months or so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I shot him. I, I, I shot one of his matches in like 27, 2016 or 17. It's a couple oh, years ago. And you got a WWE legend in the, in the ring in the main event. Yeah. Um. So, quick, quick game. Let's fill out a. There's four <laughs> of us. There's four of us. So let's okay. let's, uh, let's fill out a Mount Rushmore live yeah. quickly of only, but based only on mask uh, designs. Oh. Specifically, okay. only based on like your favorite mask uh, design. My favorite mask design. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you can give one, and then you can, you can give an honorable mention if you want, but just based solely on your favorite masks, just uh, design, not on the. It's... Guerrero like Maya this... Junior. What was that? <laughs> Guerrero Maya Junior. Oh, nice. Yeah, my favorite is Jushin Liger. Something about that mask is just so. He's the first guy I really remember as a masked wrestler as a kid, and that mask just stands out to me. Um, Ultimo Dragon, you know, has such an iconic mask. That was the first mask I ever bought. So that's one of my favorites. The, um, Urban Aztec, Jesse Hernandez, he designed the 
Lince Dorado mask. Uh, that that's one of my most favorite masks of all time. He uh, also did one of the, the designs Dr. for Guerrero Maya Jr. Yeah. So, and Doctor Wagner Jr. So yeah, he's done a lot. That yeah, we're stunning. <laughs> yeah, Wagner. Uh, so that's another urban aesthetic. It's all three of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about you, Miranda? Which one's yours? Uh, I would say probably my pick would be Rey Mysterio. Especially, I love how he's incorporating kind of more like designer aspects in it, just as like yeah. a designer type of part. Like, I just loved that kind of bougie it up. Like, I, <laughs> I'm all for that. Because that, that too is like very interesting now, too, when you have more of these designer uh, influences mm-hmm. into it. Because then it becomes a part of fashion, which yeah. is like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, there, there's this whole, you know, the Marvel AAA fashion mm-hmm. line coming out. Like, that is. A, a dream for for me like a, a love of lucha libre and comics and fashion like uh-huh. yes 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 how much do i pay where do i get it from like to me i i love that that blend and integration just me personally and la parka i i just love the whole i think the the mask itself really helped with the entire look and mm-hmm. the entire gimmick but i for some reason just the 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 skeleton face outline and even the 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 back hood you know that i i really liked it was just always that's for me as a kid growing up the mask that i remember more than than mysterio's um is is la parka's yeah Yeah. my uh my my honorable mention would go to blue demon uh, honestly yeah yeah (laughs) he's iconic it's just iconic and what it is what when i think of what a classic older mask. I, that's yeah. the one that I go to. Well, and it's been repeated. Like that style kind of became so influential. Like uh, even uh, Ramses and Nacho Libre, he had the gold version of the Blue Demon mask. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And so like, it's still very influential in an odd way to this day. And you see it. I mean, like it's ubiquity is cannot be denied. That's true. Jerry, you were starting to say something. I'm sorry. No, that was it. Uh, as uh, demons, yeah. off the night. <laughs> we were on the same wavelength. Uh, yeah. I should have just like, let you say it. <laughs> it's like the the quintessential lucha match. I think is the theme because it's so simple. It's it's mm-hmm. it's at the yeah. it's like it's simple, but it's yeah, it's everything you want in a lucha match. So yeah, that was mine too. Of honorable mention. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I literally could go on with with where there's masks whether it's you know the subsets of of rules of technicals i mean like that's i think the beauty of these types of conversations is that as you roll into them you start to notice all these little details and and things that stick with you as lucha libre fans and uh i think that's a huge testament to you know the entirety uh of this segment of of wrestling but uh also too i mean it's it's History is deep. Everything about it, it's so integral. It is just beyond what happens in the ring. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's family. It's the looks. It's the training. Oh, yeah. It's all of it. And that makes it so vast. Well, that makes me feel overwhelmed. Like, how are we ever going to just – how is this ever – no wonder this has not been tackled. Now I just keep thinking this in my head. No wonder. This is this is uncharted territory, gentlemen. That's, what, that's why. But someone has to do it. Someone has to go through these conversations and let the people know. So that way they can, you know, decide and, and come up with their own list. For sure. So 
Real quick, too, we kind of were talking about uh, a new story that kind of developed o- over the past, you know, week or, or so. And I wanted the chance to talk about it in this format uh, because this is the Lucha Central Weekly podcast. And so, of course, we <laughs> yep. wouldn't be doing, you know, this without, you know, giving you some news for the, the week. Gentlemen, I hope you're okay with that. Kind of just throwing that, yeah. that out there. Oh, that's, that's great. Because also, it. you know, that that's our guest, Jerry Legrana. He's the one who kind of shared this with us. And so be happy to kind of talk more about it and kind of get, of course, Jerry's perspective, but also the team's perspective. Jerry, would you mind kind of uh, sharing with our listeners more about uh, this news story that kind of developed or at least what, what you found uh, uh, as far as I think it started on social media and has kind of grown uh, as, into a news story? Yeah, the um, so it's going to be the, the, the biggest story um, this week, and it was about Pirata Morgan. He went on, a, I think it was an interview. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was on, a, on, a, on an interview, and, uh, and the, you know, they want to get information, right? And and so he came out, and he started saying, you know, some some details about payment and uh, kind of – some of it was like in kayfabe and not of kayfabe about how much you get paid if you win a – if you win a um, like a hair match, or you know how much if you win and lose a title match, and it's kind of like a big, you know, somewhat of a no-no, right? Like I remember another photographer, a friend of mine from down there, was sharing like some of the rules of you know where how to be a luchador, and one of them was like, <laughs> don't speak, you know, like don't. There's certain things you just can't say, and I yeah. think Morgan kind of you know crossed that line a little bit. And it's one thing for somebody who's like, you know, like maybe newer or they're out of the business a little bit, or they don't have that kind of trajectory to kind of break, you know, break, break the fourth wall. But when somebody has respected and with that kind of a career does it, it's, it's, it really shakes things up. Right. Because people can't just say, Oh yeah, people don't respect the business these days. And kind of kids these days. Yeah. They can't, <laughs> you can't just kids these days. Beat up Oregon, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, so it was a really wild story. And he'll be on uh, Mesa de los Margaros on Wednesday. So if people want to tune oh, into that. Excellent. I just saw that today. So Mesa de los Margaros is a Lucha Central Park uh, video cast. Yes. On Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to be on there. to. <laughs> yeah, so that'll be fun. So if people want to watch that, he'll be on there. I'm, I'm excited now. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> We we used to have we used to have a really robust Lucha Central Central, which got me really pumped, and I would make notes on which shows I needed to listen to live and which ones I'd go back to later. And now, and just it's all guesswork, and so I'm excited to to see her that one live. It's great. Yeah, you have to do some. He'll have some explaining to do for sure. Yes, <laughs> I was gonna say Los Mesas de los Magros. I mean, that's gonna be pretty exclusive to to be one of the first cast to kind of ask him yeah. about that because that, like you said, is is a tradition. You know, you don't break, and for him to do that, I'd be very interested in finding out maybe what compelled him, what what made him, <laughs> what 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 uh, you know made him want to share that information or, or feel right sharing it and you know was it just um you know just him kind of off the cuff or was there more of an explanation behind that um and also as we kind of discussed off air too i think like that is also a testament to how lucha libre is treated in mexico as very much like a, a very real sport you know and and the way the interviews and and uh press and content is treated is very much similar to, you know, interviewing anyone in, you know, um, 
I mean, other sports roles too. So I think that that's probably why I got a lot of that momentum is how seriously, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's treated in a journalistic aspect. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that he talked about was how um, a, a match he had had with Hector Garza, which is um, Angel Garza's uncle. And, yeah. you know, WCW, I think, and uh, TNA, he worked for them too. This is amazing talent. He passed away way too soon. Um, but it's about a match that they had had and how much they got paid if they won. It was a championship match. And, and he said that the promoter offered him to, a, to an additional 50,000 pesos or something crazy to let Hector Garza win. And so he, uh, Angel Garza posted on the social media about it, like, my uncle would have beat your ass. <laughs> 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 Hector Garza was amazing talent, you know? So he's like, he was, yeah. he was not going to stand for that. Like, my uncle would have beat your ass. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the interesting thing was that Pirata had actually named like dollar amount or peso amounts, you know, yeah. how much it, the payoffs were for an Apuestas match, a title match. And then he was like, that's why these guys, they throw the Apuestas match. You know, they lose on purpose so they get the big payoff. And so it was really weird. And yeah. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's... a lot of fallout from this, I think. It'll be interesting to see what he says this week on podcast yeah i'm excited yeah i mean so, yeah because yeah i'm sorry i just it just so blows no, me away no, <laughs> <keep going. laughs> yeah it's a story you know it's really but it's good i mean it's good to have stories you know it's good to have people talking about lucha it's always a good thing so he kind of he, 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 he kind of threw something under the bus but hey at least we got something to talk about right. it's time to and there's not exactly. enough lucha right, right now so yeah but um, speaking of that, since we're doing some news stories, Miranda, you were actually involved, not just announcing, you were kind of involved in a match this week. Uh, yes. So uh, I announced for the Future Stars of Women's Wrestling in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is part of Future Stars of uh, Wrestling. And uh, it was an all-women show, uh, and I got to announce for CMLL uh, star Estreita. Um, who wrestled former WWE and Impact star Katarina. Uh, so that was uh, amazing to announce for her and also just see that match live uh, <laughs> because really, I mean, she put in the Estreita, just put in such amazing work with Katarina too. Is again, very different styles and locations. Katarina from, from uh, the UK, Estreita from Mexico. Um, and she really just highlighted her her skill set you know uh jumping over the the ropes uh real technical arm work uh that she did uh and just really fun loving and and easy going to the crowd yeah. just loved her and uh i think that that too is those those small examples that you have those opportunities when you do have uh you know either mixed style matches or lucha libre matches um in, in American audiences and, and with women's matches as well. I think that that gets fans really excited to see something brand, brand new, but her, uh, her attitude and her glow was just really infectious. And um, it was just so, it was just so much fun. Like the fact that I just got to announce her into the ring was uh, a huge, huge dream. I just kept thinking I'm really going to be announcing for Estrita. <laughs> in the cookbook. <laughs> ah! oh yes. yes. Well then, call back to the cookbook. But Estrellita has a couple of reasons there. What? Ah, uh, so now cool. I should have. 
I'll next time, if I ever see her again, I'll ask her about the, the cookbook. Sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's a, that's amazing. But uh, but yeah, a funny story about Estrita. Um, we were I was so she she came up and did a match in Sal Saltillo where I used to live in Mexico, and uh, so I was doing photography for her. And I was and I'm a big like proponent of lucha. Like I love lucha. Like I was working as an engineer down there, and and lucha is like a like a thing of the people. Like people call it like teatro del pueblo, like 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 general people. Not it's not like a thing that like like very rich people would go to or anything. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of my engineer friends were like, "Oh, lucha," and I was like, "No, I love lucha." So I would always go. And so one day I invited my pastor at the church, and he's an American guy that was had a church in Mexico. And so I invited him and his family to come and see lucha because I love lucha, and I wanted to share my love for lucha. So uh, so they come to the show. And everything's going great. It's a great wrestling show. They're loving it. And then Estrella comes out. She comes out like a schoolgirl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she had that's how she came out. It's high little clothes and just all kinds of lucha antics. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my pastor is like right there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, you got the schoolgirl coming out in this, you know, very small outfit, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, they, <laughs> so how, they, how did your pastor take it though? Your pastor enjoyed the the show, or did yeah, you have to like put like, blinds on him and be like, "Don't watch this." Cover your eyes, just peek a little bit. Yeah, because you know how Mexico is, right? They do, you yeah. know, they have all kinds of you know fun, and uh, they're they're yeah. left on the feminist. Uh, <laughs> They're not as feminine, you know. That uh, that uh, movement hasn't hit as hard in Mexico as it has. <laughs> They're still doing some, you know, some some more. Uh, I don't know, not vulgar, but uh, you know, maybe playful, exotic. yeah, playful, yeah. yeah. playful yeah. flirty. Because <laughs> that's that's exactly what I think of when I see Estrellita. It's more yeah. playful, maybe a little bit yes. flirty, but I think it's more of a playful, youthful type of. I don't think it's meant to be, you know. Yeah, exotic or sexual or anything. Like I just think of like this is just you know someone who's very happy go lucky and you know just sure. is is uh, easygoing and playful and and that too is kind of how she projects that in the ring too with some of her yeah. her moves and the dancing. You know, it's just, just playful. yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. But that was a fun time. So cool. Yeah. Well, I. Can't believe we did it. I mean, we we tackled the Mount Rushmore of Lucha Libre, multiple actually, with also our Lucha Libre mask design, uh, yeah. Mount Rushmore contributions, yeah. uh, talking about the future of Lucha Libre, and even a few news stories. So thank you very much, Jerry, for joining us on this week's special edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Uh, for our listeners, can you let our fans know where they can find you on social media, about your podcast, anything and everything you want to plug? Sure, I'm, I'll go first. So I'm JVDA Photography. Um, if you want to go to jvdaphotography.com, um, you can go to my wrestling page. It's slash wrestling on there. A uh, ton of Lucha pictures. Um, uh, on Instagram, JVDA Photography. On Facebook, same same thing. You can dig back a ton of great Lucha albums from Monterrey, Mexico City, um, different promotions. So I work for AAA, uh, CMLL down there. Chaos crash, um, yeah. So the JVD photography everywhere, and then just look out for all the Master Public, all the great Master Public content. A lot of stuff coming out, a lot of fun gifts, a lot of great merch. Um, you yeah. know, there's shirts at Hot Topic, there's shirts at um, you know Pro Wrestling Tees. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, get all your great lucha gear through them because they you know work really hard and uh, try and get lucha, get the message out. 
All the good stuff that's happening. The socks are out just in time for Christmas, too. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Brendan, where can our listeners find you? Uh, I am 321 T-Shirt Guy. I am on Facebook. That's uh, 321 and then T-Shirt Guy is spelled out. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and the Twitters, which, uh, as usual, I'm still trolling right now. Um, I would like to give a shout-out to... Uh, Coastal Championship Wrestling, who submitted some stuff for me to watch for the Indie Roundup. So be Excellent. listening in the near future for us to talk about their matches as well. Um, there's a lot of good stuff to be talking about there. Fantastic. Yes, the call has right. been answered. So really excited that we'll be highlighting some uh, indie promo- U.S. indie promotions um, in um, upcoming episodes. Uh, Dusty, where can our listeners find you? I am on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy, and I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy. And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the hashtag Miranda, hashtag spelled out. And of course, well, you just got to go to luchacentral.com, which is your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. You can find articles, reviews of events, of course, summaries of what's happening throughout uh, the week of Lucha Libre, including reviews of Raw, SmackDown, AEW, Dynamite, and Dark, uh, and of course, special pay-per-view events uh, that come up iwrg uh, is also posted up there uh and of course there's videos and interviews that you can find uh on the lucha central youtube page you can follow lucha central at lucha central on instagram and facebook and at lucha central come on twitter so we got you covered just just Go to all those places, everything that we just said, so that way you can stay up to date on everything that's happening throughout the world of Lucha Libre. And again, a huge thank you to Jerry Villagrana for being our special guest this week. Joining us again, we love having you on the show. Your insights, your history, everything that you know, again, it comes uh, to us just as a, a great source of information, but also insight and just a lot of fun stories. If you want to get some cool, fun stories, go go to Jerry because he he has he has them so uh, a big thank you to you Jerry a big thank you to all of you who are listening uh, this is our Thanksgiving week episode so uh, make sure you all are being safe hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving however you're spending it uh, whether you're doing it remotely with friends and family ordering Chinese food making your own food whatever that may be Make sure that you are enjoying yourselves. Uh, and we are thankful for all of you who are listening, who send us information, who uh, let us know what you think about the show. Thank you so much to our listeners and fans. And don't forget that uh, this podcast is also available on streaming platforms like Podbay, Speaker, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, all of the above. You can find that. But again, LuchaCentral.com. That is your source for all things Lucha Libre. Uh, I'm Miranda Morales for uh, Jerry, Dusty, and Brendan. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will be back next week. And now to stop. I'll edit this part later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or you can just leave it in. <laughs> I know this is this. Yeah, this is this is. <laughs> The, the like, fun parts afterwards. Yeah, like at the end of uh, 
uh, Smokey and the Bandit, where you see all the clips. Yeah. yeah. Or a Jackie Chan movie where you see all the accidents. Yeah. <laughs> Stop talking about my life, Brendan. Gosh. <laughs> I feel attacked. <laughs> all right. It's what you get for talking about Lucha Libre and food and saying that we all want that. Cause... <laughs> well, is that not the truth? I like, no, I that's bet. true. <laughs> it's, it's probably pretty true. It's definitely true.